Hello, and welcome to Q&A Question. I am the wrong person to be doing this, but wheels will have to be back shortly. Uh, this is episode 72. I'm sure that whatever title it has will be great when it happens. Uh, this is Family Master, David McBurney, whatever you choose to call me, and with me, as always. Call me whatever you like to, but please... Oh man, you expect more politeness than I do. But, uh... Hey, yeah, I don't. I stay off of Twitter, so I am less exposed to the dark side of humanity. Fair point. Fair point. I was gonna say, like, this is our this is our chance to say awful things about Wheels, but I don't think that that would be polite. He's he's been generally accommodating, so uh, I guess I'll ask. Uh, just in general, uh, any anything to bring up? Anything you've been playing recently? Uh, well, one major thing to bring up, but I think we should wait till Wheels is here. Oh, that seems important. I'm going to wait with bated breath for this. And meanwhile, everyone can guess that I've been playing Yakuza 6 a lot, so we don't we don't necessarily need too much of that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll work its way in eventually. But uh, So I guess we should probably start in on the uh, questions, just because, yeah. There, yes. Yeah, uh, so as per usual, Budai, Budai has uh, given us some fodder to work with. Uh, his first one being, which do you think is more likely to happen? Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 separate uh, release Kiwami versions or a PS4 collection of ports of 3 through 5? As of this post, I'm still being good and working on Nino Kuni 2 before I get to Yakuza 6. I, I don't see them doing Kiwami versions of 3, 4, and 5. They're like... Part of why they did Kiwami 1 and 2 was that, like, those games feel really out of step, both, like, technologically and to some degree mood-wise compared to the later games. Those games... They definitely needed to be... Yeah. Like, they could theoretically continue a cycle of remakes indefinitely, but, I mean, there's a point where it's just not really worth it. Yeah. Uh, Like, I'm trying to think... Oh, good. No, you got. Similar, um, I was thinking it was similar to how um, they ended up remaking Atelier Rorona. Oh um, yeah. Because, um, I mean, because after the second and third game in the Arlen series were, were made, they had managed to um, develop the game's engine to the point where they could make some serious improvements, and so they did. Mm-hmm. But they didn't yeah. really remake the other two. I mean, they ported them to Vita, but they didn't actually remake either of the other two Arland games because they were already up to the level that Gust wanted them at. Yeah. There's also uh, Yakuza 1 and 2. I'm not sure who this person was, but I remember hearing about them at the time. Was that, that like, they had collaborated with a novelist to help write their story. And he's only involved in 1 and 2, and one gets the sense that, like, he had a distinct... Uh, impact on the moods of those games. And so in an attempt to, like, part of the reason to remake 1 and 2 is to bring them in line mood-wise, which is why a lot of the sub-stories end up getting changed in those versions. That makes some sense. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. Like, I think the author's name was Seishu Hase. You'll, you're, you are definitely going to be more knowledgeable on that than me. It's supposedly you'd written some, like, you know, sort of gritty crime novel type things. Well, I looked up Yakuza novelist, and under Yakuza video game, there is a listing of writers with this guy's mm-hmm. name. And the 
and the hit right above that on Google is this guy as a well-known Japanese novelist known for writing crime novels. Yep, sounds about right. What English information exists seems to agree with you. But, yeah, he seems to have, they seem to have dropped that after a while. I'm, I'm curious, I don't think we'll ever get any sort of information as to why that, why he stopped being involved with the series, but uh, the series generally does change moods as of three, and sort of moves like, sort of sort of moves into its own very distinct style by that point. So again, it I could see them doing a PS4 version of uh, that at least like perhaps downloadable, but perhaps like a collection of some sort that's just the PS3 only games, just because mm-hmm. I mean it's relatively easy money but uh otherwise i don't i don't really see them trying to do kiwami versions like i mean there's there is going to be a limit to how much they can upgrade it Mm -hmm. and how much they would want to upgrade it i mean the only reason i could think of for them doing any remake version at all is if the console next or one or two console generations from now are advanced enough that they can't play them anymore regularly (laughs) Yeah, and even then you do run into the question of, like, would it be easier to just do an HD collection? Because the Kiwami versions are doing much more extensive monkeying with the game. Yeah. So, yeah, at that point it probably would be just an HD remake or just a collection. Yeah. Which I'd I'd be into because I feel like those games are going to get... Like, the series is largely abandoning large portions of that continuity. Like, I'm sure they will reference that the events of Kiryu's life happened, but I mean, they're very clearly trying to make a clean break by virtue of introducing a new protagonist for whatever the seventh game main game ends up being titled. But yeah, that, Well, that's pretty normal for a lot of Japanese series. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even did it to Naruto eventually. Um. <laughs> Man, the English world will never get over making board jokes. Mm-hmm. But, uh... No, his, his name's closer to Bolt. In, yeah, yeah, but in in, Eng- in English, it just reminds people of the Simpsons joke of like my child is also named Bort. So see, I, I think I missed that episode. How many? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was way, it was in like season six, I want to say, but yeah, it's just like but I may have seen it, but I've blocked all memory. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's one of the most preferred jokes to like a lot of what crossover exists between people who watched the Simpsons back in the nineties and people who watched anime in the late two thousands loves to make board jokes. So it's a very specific self-selecting group, but uh, yeah, the, the tendency to like, you know, you make a new, you make a new lead character and it references the old one, but like you try not, you try to draw in the new audience by like not tying it down as much with continuity is a pretty, pretty mm-hmm. ongoing tradition in media. So, Unless that media is Marvel comics. <laughs> DC comics. Yeah, so more yeah. DC because Marvel d- has tried to pass the mantle on a few times. Yeah, DC used to do it like way back in the fifties because like no one has ever, no one who is who was alive to buy comics at the time was buying is still alive who remembers like the thrilling adventures of the original uh, Green Lantern or Flash. Exactly. But, Except as. But, tongue-in-cheeks, post-ironic references in modern Flash and Green Lantern stories. Pretty much. But, yeah, so, like, they, they might... I, I the, the other thing I could see is them 
like when that continuity has been gone long enough, they start trying to they start issuing like collections of like a couple of collections that are like this is the games from this saga that's like been gone for a long time. But I mean, people still like these games. But yeah, again, all of these revolve around HD collections, not Kiwami remakes. Especially because one of the issues that you run into is that, like, 2 is already uh, a situation where they cut out some of the more extraneous areas in Yakuza 2 just because remaking them in the spec that the Yakuza 6 Dragon Engine has, like, it's a much more dense and detailed set of environments. So, like... Wouldn't be worth the effort. Yeah, like, especially by the time you get to 5, which they went insane and decided what if we had five protagonists who were wandering five different districts all across japan they share almost and i remember playing the demo with kiryu and thinking i know this part of fukuoka (laughs) hey i'm gonna find my my um my old favorite bar it's not actually there but i did find the stairs leading down to it the style the the gesture was there that if you could just get in there there would have been something yeah and unfortunately, the demo area was a little too small for me to get to the Mr. Donut on the other side of the, or on the other end of the street. <laughs> you gotta I see thought, what, you gotta see what you get for going to Mr. Donut. Yeah. I'm sure something donutish is there. Oh, definitely. Some sort of, like, yes, definitely there would be a donut shop here if this were the real, <laughs> this were really part of Fukuoka. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's also just like it becomes a pain because they also tended to introduce a lot of gameplay styles and like all of those games were sort of relying on the fact that they had this giant bank of assets and gameplay styles that they could just sort of import forward game to game to game and again a lot like how Gust operated with PlayStation 3 yeah like that was, that was how you kind of survived when you were like a mid to even high budget game that was trying to make games like year over year over year is like well, you make really, really intelligent use of asset reuse. Mm-hmm. Yes, so so we don't get caught in the Final Fantasy fifteen trap. Or thirteen. Or the trap. yeah. Or oh, 13. They they tried to they tried using asset reuse after the fact after they realized that they hadn't actually used half of those assets the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I could see an HD collection. I don't see Kiwamis. Uh. Moving to the next one. Have you ever thought about how monsters coincidentally are weaker when you start and more powerful when you finish? Good thing for the heroes on those adventures. I feel yeah. like there's probably at least a few games that make jokes about that. Heck, I, I can think of like five or six manga right now that make jokes about that. Yeah. Um, but that's mainly because um, it's like meta humor manga about... Vi- um, RPGs, either tabletop or video game, have suddenly become very popular in this country. Yeah, like you, like even in just the amount that actually get imported, you start seeing that that's become a big trend for like the past yeah. four or so years. Oh, it, I mean, no, I mean, mo- up until about two years ago, it was mostly Monster Girls. Oh, and yeah. In the last nine months or so, there has been an explosion of titles involving um, the keywords being reincarnated as random item or something or other dungeon or the word harem shows up a bunch as well and about two-thirds of these game or not game um, manga titles are actually full sentences of some sort in Japanese yeah there's like some 
sort of weird arms race. I checked the stuff of manga never to bother with. There's some sort of horrible arms race about how long you can make a title in manga and light novels, it seems like. Oh, I'm... Oh, what was the worst offender I've ever seen? I This is a game I reported on a couple years back. The title's probably an entire paragraph. Oh, it was long enough that whenever I found it and on the Dengeki website, it tended to break the HTML around it. <laughs> I'm sure whoever was putting that website together really loved all the complaints they were getting about that. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, so, like... yeah. There's probably some games that reference this. It's probably some of them based off those manga, or at least there soon will be. Yeah, but uh, I mean, out out of the handful that I actually liked from um, from this trend, one of them is I mean, it's like a very obvious Dragon Quest parody being told on from the perspective of the Dark Lord's human secretary. <laughs> She's an absolute misanthropist, um, misanthrope who. Uh, really doesn't care if the entire rest of the human race gets obliterated. And in fact, she is scarily, scarily good at coming up with different ways of managing this. That's concerning. <laughs> to, the point, yeah, to the point where the Dark Lord and his lieutenants are all looking at her and going, holy crap! Um, so, um, so, yeah, it's not very well, it's not the best of done manga, but I just, it's the one I've chosen to enjoy out of the entire pile of schlock. Um, and the only other one that I would actually consider worth bothering with is actually Delicious in Dungeon, which I think we've mentioned a few times here. Yeah, I think Wheels still has to do a book report on those. Yeah, because, <laughs> simply because, well, first of all, I mean, it it manages to avoid most of the cardinal sins of presentation. Um, like, this, the title is not a sentence. It yeah. avoids all of the major, I mean, Dungeon is the only keyword that it uses. And I'm willing to let it go with that. And the cover art does not look like softcore pornography. A distressingly rare occurrence. Especially in this particular subset, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, boob plate armor for the world, except um, and most of it's not plate. Most of it would be struggling to count as chainmail bikini. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's... You know what you're getting. Um, either that or just the posing is just, um, it's very obvious what image is being sold with these covers. Out of control spine breaking. Yes, Liefeld would be proud. Uh, Liefeld would wonder what feet are though, so they've still got one up on him for that. Oh, I mean, so, in a couple of cases it's like harpy girls or other kinds of monster girls, so, I mean, the feet. <laughs> Enjoy talons. Yep. But, uh, yeah, like, I can't think of a game that actually specifically acknowledges this, but aside from games where just, like, they're just terrified that monsters exist at all, so. I mean, I know Wild Arms 2 had an incremental increase in how strong the monsters were based on how far the reality was being corrupted. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a good excuse. Final Fantasy VIII just leveled up the monsters with you. Yeah, yeah, that lovely situation. And romance, the Romancing Saga games and Saga Frontier did it too, but they did it better. Yeah. That encounter rank system. Yeah. Especially since some areas might have encounter... 
global encounter rank plus one or minus one. Oh, that's so clever. you could always be guaranteed to find monsters that were weaker than you if you weren't looking. Yeah. Or ones that are stronger than you if you just feel like taking a challenge on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Man, I'm just thinking about how I think, like, monsters in FF8 officially came from the moon, which was, uh... Yeah. That was strange. Was thing, it was one of those things that they really should have telegraphed a bit better. But that's most of Final Fantasy VIII's plot, is yeah. a list of things that they could have prepared the player for in a better way. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting ideas in that plot that sort of fight each other for supremacy, and most of them just sort of end up dying off. <sighs> okay. <coughs> but, uh... Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's just the... The Keynesian... Not Keynesian. What was the joke about... Uh, video game economics being Keynesian. Uh, I forget what that one is. I know what you're talking about, but I forget what the... Or, not Keynesian, but is like, such and such economist hates you. And oh, Adam Smith, I think? Yeah, I think it was Adam Smith hates you. I'm trying to, like, the only time I can think of where someone actually acknowledged that, uh, that it was important that you get the best stuff available is the end of Lunar 1 when... Ramus just gives you all of the healing items imaginable for free. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can think of another one that sidesteps that, actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Moving moving on. Uh, this next one's oh, pretty open. I, oh. I found the longest title, though. Oh, God. <laughs> Would you like it in Japanese or English? First one, then the other. Okay. So Japanese, it's, oh dear lord, you know what, um, this thing is four lines long on a fairly wide screen here. So, so um, Natsuhiro High School Seishun Hakusho Tenko Shonichi no Ore ga Osanajimi to Sai Kai Shitara Hodo Bui ni Sarate Ite Gekisho Shonen no Hibi wa Skupudai Renpatsu de Igai to Motemote Nano ni Nazeka Mai Memori Okay, understood about half of those words, and I'm baffled as to how they fit together. Yes, exactly. Well, for, <laughs> as I said, this is the title that broke Dengeki website's um, HTML from time to time. For Gamer.net would just write the first four words, that's your high school station hackshaw. And then yeah. a kanji afterwards, that, uh, and in parentheses after a kanji that translated basically as yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, so uh, my best guess for the English after having to completely restructure the sentence. Yeah. Um, because Japanese is not meant to have this many nestled clauses to begin with. <laughs> I don't think English is either. <laughs> English works better, but oh man, you, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, don't read don't read Harry Potter in Japanese because <laughs> the very first sentence, it takes four lines and I forgot what was going on by the end. Um, but, okay, so J- English title. Summertime High School, A Young Man's Notes. How a new exchange student like myself ran into his childhood friend on the school tour then for some reason became super popular with the girls for his daily scoops on the school photography club even though he only takes panty shots and what he thinks as he goes on dates during his summer of island school life. There's like five colons in that. Yes. <sighs> Why? Why? Who needed this? No one needed this. 
I hope this didn't succeed. Um, no, I mean, it's one of those where um, it's, it's from D3 Publishers, so you know that oh, they had... Oh, so it was the cheapest they, thing imaginable. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's a uh, quote-unquote adventure game, and D3 is one of those companies that has m- developed an excellent formula for determining how many copies they need to sell to break even. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. certainly made a profit, um, not by much, but they did. Yeah. Uh, can we go back to the halcyon days of the zombie versus ambulance? Then, <laughs> uh, obviously, they are taking a piss out of the entire genre and the entire style of titling with this. <laughs> yeah. But on some level, once once you have once you have worn the worn this mask long enough, I think you just become one. Yeah. But, oh, oh God, that everything about that title. Okay, I I can't take it, it, it is actually a um, a love romance adventure game where, as part of the game story, you have to try to take panty shots of almost every girl in the game. From well, what I understand. Well, that is just hitting all of their demographic notes all at once. Pretty much. <laughs> that is made with mathematical efficiency. I, I don't think I can go further with that. Okay. We've got, we've got an open-ended one that we might reopen if Wheels gets back in time, which is uh, make an E3 prediction. I have no idea what's going on right now with E3 or anything else in the industry. Yeah, like... I guess uh, you could expand that to just like a general future prediction about uh, something you might want to see come back or something you might expect someone to announce. But, uh, I mean, the entire field is so limited at this point. It's um, yeah. If we haven't heard about it already, we are not going to hear about it till E3. Unless they decide to do something really surprising like... Uh, port over the latest iteration of Itadaki Street. <laughs> you know what? Do it. They've done it a yeah, few times. The latest edition of Itadaki Street starring all of your Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest favorite heroes. You'd think I'm that serious. With... I, I'm so tempted to get this for Vita just to see how ridiculous it is. Finally. Finally. Uh, I presume that has through Dragon Quest Eleven. I don't know. Um, the ones that I know I saw in the video, the promotional video, they were mostly mm-hmm. from 7 and 6. I mean, there was hmm. Cloud and Tifa and Sephiroth and Kefka, Kefka running around like a maniac, dancing and throwing coins. The characters and, that people are most likely to recognize. Yeah, and the Dragon Quest Eight heroes and a few of the others. Um, so I, I remember seeing Jessica. Yeah, I think and, I saw that uh, artwork. And Torneco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he, basically, he all spinoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the highest profile and fan favorites are all definitely in there. I just don't know how far they go. Yeah, um, I I might have seen Lightning. I'm not sure. Yeah, that would make sense. They would probably at least go through 13. It's just a question of if they went through 15. Like with Dragon Quest, it's a question of like whether they decided to try to boost it by showing some of the new characters from 11, but. I'm not sure if I would recognize the new characters from Eleven. I, I still need to play that. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like it's it's one of those things where it's like you wouldn't really see anything from Nine or Ten because those don't really have named characters in the primary party. Oh, you might see the fairy. Yeah, the fairy from Nine might happen. 
I don't know, maybe some random like character based on the designs from one of the five races in ten if they really wanted to be generous, but given the general apathy towards ten as far as I can tell, I'm not sure if I'd even believe that. I know I could see them using the, the race designs as NPCs just because they have them. Yeah. That might be interesting. Yeah, I could I could see maybe someone taking a chance on that, but oh was... yeah, so yeah, um, so yeah, Itadaki Stories is on my list of maybe to get for Vita sometime. Yeah, seems like a good portable game. Yeah. Other than that, apparently the invent the uh, guy who created Puyo Puyo has cr- start his uh, producing his own new uh, take on it. I guess. Hmm. This was on the Jap. This is on a Japanese talk show um, slash news program last week that I saw while we were driving. Um, it was detailing the tragic story of the creator of Puyo Puyo, who what who lost the rights to his own game like twenty years ago or something, and he's been working as a security guard for the last decade. Wow, that's depressing. And, and for um. See, for the past 18 years, or 18 years ago, he started planning his next game, and for the last five years, he's been making it in his free time. And he says that it is an advanced and um, advanced and uh, improved form of Puyo Puyo. It looks a lot like Puyo Puyo. Oh, I'd imagine. I'm interested yeah. in what he ends up producing. I mean, there's a lot of interesting spins you can take on Puyo Puyo. So. Yeah. But anyway, it's called Gnocchi Gnocchi. <laughs> and it's coming out for 3DS next November. Wow. Yeah. November of 2018, you mean, not 2019, I presume. <laughs> yeah. Or at least I think. I mean, he said next November then, but you know what? I have no idea when this video was dated. So mm. let's game facts and GameFacts.GameSpot.com. It's been a while since I've visited the site, isn't it? Yeah, no, they made it a subdomain. It's very strange. When did they do that? Uh... I think it's like six months to a year ago. I don't visit it that often myself. Never mind. This is a that was definitely a backdated episode I saw because it says 2016. Oh, nice. I guess we didn't get it. <laughs> November 2016. Yep, it was. Yep, it was a rerun we were watching. Yeah, a thrilling rerun. Well, hopefully he's not going back to. He's not back to being a security guard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here comes a new challenger. Wheels is back. Yay. Uh, not much. I got the chance to yell about Yakuza for a very long time. Uh, he you just were... shut up about it. Mm-mm. <laughs> but uh, you came back in just as uh, we were discussing. We had gotten slightly, slightly a field of, but make an E3 prediction. Since neither of us actually have any idea of what it might be, I've got I've got some I've got some like wish list things I want to see. Like, oh hey, how about a English Hokuto Gotoku announcement? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh yes, that would be. Yeah, my suggestion was Itadaki stories. Yeah, starring all the prominent characters from Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Yeah. It's down to you, Wheels. Uh, no. No one, no one, like, I saw some people, like, going nuts over, like, a Nintendo patent filing that was, like, oh, you know, you put two screens next to each other, and, like, they interact with each other or whatever, and it's like, buddy, that's not a single piece of hardware. <laughs> Yokai watch for, you mean? 
You said, said Yakuza, Yakuza 4. <laughs> Which they did get. The disease is inside you. Where are you running? I can see that. Level 5 has an official, like, in-house localization team now, don't they? I feel like that was announced at some stage, and they just haven't announced anything to do with it. Who localized Nino Kuni 2? Okay, yeah. Uh, I want to say yes. in the West, at least. I think they did. Uh, yeah, Bandai Namco Entertainment, outside of Japan, where it was self-published. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nino Kuni 2? Let me check. They definitely released it in Japan. Yeah, well, that follows on. Yeah, Bandai Namco is the first thing that English Google returns for Nino Kuni 2. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was Bandai Namco in the West as well. So, yeah, I, maybe. Like, I could see them trying to, like, go in on it themselves. Like, the issue you run into is that, like, with something like Yokai Watch, you want a strong like, media presence in the West, and I'm not, like, multimedia presence, I should say, and I'm not sure that an upstart uh, level 5 Western division would be up to the task of actually spearheading such a thing. I just, I feel like, at least in, like, in Japan, like, finding a niche audience is considered a failure for level 5, because it's like, no, we make these big multimedia franchises. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, like I could see them trying to expand their presence in the West a little bit. Trying again, and again, and again. <laughs> it's bound to work sometime. Yeah. Ride it into the ground. No, just just throw the gel out the wall and then just keep slamming it with a book. <laughs> I think we're like at 11 uh, of them. Well, this is seven. Um Seven that are actually RPGs, and then they had a couple spin-off games that were just the sports side. Well, the, the spin-offs that are just the sports game. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying Dragon Quest had a couple spin-offs. Actually, Dragon Quest had far more than a couple spin-offs. Um, Dragon Quest may now have more spin-offs than mainline games. Uh, spin-off franchises. Yeah. At least two spin-off franchises. Three. Three spin-off franchises. I'm still furious that Dragon Quest Heroes was not uh, called Dragon Quest Warriors in the West. Or Dragon Warriors. Never mind, make that four spin-off series. Okay, I keep missing one. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's see, there was three Slime games, um, three or four Torneco games, two Dragon Warriors, haha. And um, one, two, three, um, at least six Dragon Quest Monsters games, depending on how you count them. That is officially more than there are actual Dragon Quest games. By a few. Yeah. Also a bunch of remakes, a lot of remakes. I'm not even counting the remakes for most of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that Slime would add Mo- another two to Dragon Quest Monsters. Slime Mori Mori Collection, do it. Please, please. Actually, I've, I still have the first two. Never mind. I don't need them. Ha ha. Um, wow. Hurtful. Yeah. I sold <laughs> the third believe. one back because I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> A lesser slime. Yeah. I mean, it just wasn't as fun as number two. It's hard to beat the second one. The second one was great. <sighs> but yeah, I think we've all got kind of uh, tame E3 predictions. So you know what? Let's just... Put it all flat down. We're going to have haptic gloves and VR masks a la Ready Player One. 
Finally, finally, the glorious, gritty reboot of Galaxian we've all been looking for. Yep. Come on, Wheels, you need at least one ridiculous one. The Pandai announces the Pippin 2. I can't believe that. <laughs> I think that... I, that actually sounds pretty good. That seems like the logical endpoint. I mean, they, they, I mean, Capcom did Mega Man soccer at one point, so sure, why not Yokai soccer? Sold. <laughs> uh, soccer dream. Invite Kataro there as well. I've seen him playing sports. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we've we peaked as an idea with uh, Yokai soccer. Yokai sock. I'm surprised you said that over Yokai Watch 3. Wow. What a quitter. I can't believe we'll, that the FBY got to you. What the hell is happening? I can't believe the FBY has gotten to wheels. Having a good time? <laughs> of course, that's America to me. Of course. Yes. What's American food? I've got you, buddy. <laughs> Born on the cob, hot dog, and bacon. Yep. Yeah, hot dog is inevitable. But yeah, there's there's our E3 predictions. I hope all of them come true. I don't want to know what gritty Galaxian looks like, but I'm also curious. <laughs> there's like 8 million of those you could be talking about. Oh, that's always good. That'll be the end theme. Who knows what the beginning theme will be. I'll just throw another seven They Might Be Giants songs at you, and we'll see which one you end up picking. Uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, here's here's one that uh, you guys can talk about better because I have not devoted anywhere near as much time as I want to do to this because of reasons. How balanced is Alliance Alive, and how far have you made it in the game? Does it have a universal monster scale level scale like Romancing Saga One and Two? No, it does not have a monster scaling mechanic, which is for good or for bad. Um, and the there are specific points later in the game where the difficulty has a nice, sharp upward curve. So um, when you get to a point that looks like an obvious point of no return, it is a very obvious point of no return. Make sure that everybody's got healing spells and you're outfitted as well as you can. Just do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. Wheels. What? I'm so angry right now. How balanced is Alliance Alive, and how far have you made it into the game? Yep. Yeah, I said it. It just it decides to have fun with you later in the game. Um, so, yes. <laughs> I've been eaten by yes, so many uh, fish. <laughs> yeah, you you get eaten by the water horses, or whatever they call them. And basically, there are some very. This is a game that makes you fear the water. I already do that in real life. That's terrible. For quite a long time, you are going to try do your best to try and avoid large bodies of water on the map. Just just scribbling this down in my notes. Yep. I know it's pretty obvious from the very beginning, because that was actually my first death in the game, was getting too close to the lake and meeting one of the denizens firsthand. <laughs> Hi there. Oh, boy. Um, did, I, did I ever remember how to save? No, I didn't. Okay. Okay, I get to replay the first 30 minutes again. Woo boy. Yep. But, uh, meh. Uh, there, there's our status report. Uh, hopefully that will continue to advance. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I now that Wheels is back, I have another game to talk about a little bit, if you want oh, to. Oh, hell yeah. Do you remember what this is, Wheels? 
That sounds like no. <laughs> oh, well, come on. I've been, I've been purposely putting very enigmatic blog stuff on the forums about this. He also hinted at this at the beginning of the episode while you were gone. <laughs> I, oh, no, no. Dave actually asked me what I was playing. I was like, no, I'm going to wait till you are here before I actually get into this. Yeah. So I've been waiting with bated breath. <laughs> Just say it. Yes, yes. Of course. How's Metal Max? <laughs> um, well, I assumed that much. I figure he can fill in the details. Well, well, this this one's definitely a very different atmosphere from the previous two games. Hmm. Yep. So I'm um, I'm kind of missing some of the wacky hijinks at this point because it is. Um, let's let's choose four adjectives here. Um, uh, heavy, grim, metal, and dark. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> no, it's um, well they they were talking about rebooting the series a little bit, mm-hmm. and that includes um, the place on the timeline where the, when the game takes place. Oh, so I've, um, never, I've never really known how Ma- Metal Max timeline fits together. Well, I mean, don't expect to actually have a um, an actual calendar date associated with anything, mm-hmm. but. Um, See, assuming that in-game references are correct and that the main, um, the previous six games actually fit together the way they seem to imply that they do, sometimes maybe we have no idea. Um, the main, the the last six games take place anywhere between fifty to one hundred years after the destruction of human civilization. Mm-hmm. Metal Max Xeno takes place less than twenty years after that. After the uh-huh. destruction, and um, I'm waiting for some more conversation between the teenage protagonists before I decide whether or not it's within ten years. Ah, uh, um, that would ex- like they might actually theoretically remember parts of it. Yes. Um, well, one character did um, when she arrived at the main base. We treated her to a soda, and she was like, "I've never, I haven't had one of these, and like, I don't think I ever had one of these before." Uh, but she knows what it is. Mm-hmm. But she's never actually had one, um, so that's lending it, it towards possibly being within like ten to fifteen years, and she's like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, a lot of the interesting stuff, for, or a lot of stuff that was interesting in the older games, like um, the different kinds of settlements and strange architectural oddities that have cropped up from trying to recycle everything. Mm-hmm. Um, those haven't really cropped up yet in Xeno because um, the last above-ground settlement that I found was a blast crater. <laughs> it was not supposed to be a blast crater. Oh. Yes. This is a game that gives you an extinction quotient <laughs> that starts out at somewhere around 98%. I've managed to push it down to 75% by killing lots of very strong monsters. It's an interesting concept. Um, and it occasionally it goes up whenever you discover a new completely trashed settlement. Um, as of right now, um, I think one, two, three, four, five. As of right now, the six humans I have um, met in the game so far are the only humans I know exist for certain at this point. Well, that's not enough to maintain biological diversity. Yeah, yes. Um, 
three teenage boys, one teenage girl, and a pair of older dudes who I'm fairly certain are gay. Um, even if they have not actually said anything, they just it's um, they, they just have a like an old married couple vibe to them. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. And then one and then one female android who regretfully, in her own words, does not possess the necessary equipment. Well, uh, glad someone had to broach that subject. <laughs> yes, the the translators are going to have a field day with this because, um, yeah, um, there have been some frank discussions over the uh, whether or not it's even possible to repopulate, um, what to do with survivors who are, well, let's say wanted criminals, mm. and um, and as a side note, one very very concerned comment about how if you would please not let the blood spray get too far because it's very difficult to clean out of the carpets. Well, okay then. Very deadpan expression there. So. Well, that's uh, grim. (laughs) Yeah, and dark. And rather heavy metal. In the grim darkness of the far future, there is Metal Max. Oh, it's not. It's nowhere near as grim dirt as Warhammer. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, nothing could be. But yeah, it is a very different atmosphere than from most of the games in the series, and it's also very. Um, at this point, it's quite linear. Hmm. Um. I mean, you have a list of settlements that you need to go check out and see if any of them are still around, and for the most part, there's still so much rubble all over the place. You don't have a lot of options to move. Hmm. Uh, so, it's in the, so in this case, it is very different from Metal Saga. For anybody in the audience who has only played that game, it is completely different from Metal Saga. I know that one. Yes, Metal Saga had the issue of okay, here's this nice big open space to go around in. We're not going to tell you where to go. Enjoy wandering around. Yes. So in Metal Magazino, it's. Okay, you have a tank. Thank goodness, maybe you can actually survive to check on these places. Um, so you do, and you have to take out a whole bunch of killer robots. Wow. Yep. And one rhinoceros. <laughs> I'm glad that rhinos and humans are now at nearly one-to-one parity in this earth. Yep. So I mean, granted, this was a very singular rhinoceros. Yeah, but that's still a much closer. Uh... A much closer population number than it was before. Yeah. And almost certainly a cloned rhinoceros, because they don't normally get 20 feet tall with um, cannons strapped to the back. Alternatively, radiation did some did some messed up stuff to that poor rhino. So oddly enough, um, I haven't seen anything that would contradict this, but in the Metal Max series itself, it's semi-canon that in the Great Destruction, there were no nukes actually used. I can kind of see why that would be like a would yeah, be something uh, that would be not broached in a uh, Japanese series. Oh no, no! In this case, it's because the the uh, the crazed AI Noah was originally a um, computer system dedicated to solving issues of environmental degradation and how to fix the planet. Uh, so blow up planets so humans can't destroy planet, but can't use nukes to do it because that destroys planet. No, I mean eliminate the humans as quickly as possible, and then supplant the current eco the current damaged ecosystem with one of your own that is actively inimical to human life. Mm. 
which is how you end up with caterpillars sporting machine guns out the face. I mean, that's awesome. That's or like the dandelions most... that release spore um, that release seeds that float on the wind and then blow up. Well, that is about as metal a possible apocalypse as possible. Yep. So. Or bamboo shoots that shoot ba- missiles. <laughs> it just gets weirder Human- and weirder and weirder. Humanity's natural predators. Plants with guns. Yeah, actually, yes. There are a few. Um, I mean, Metal Max 3, we're introduced to the Melloweens, which are like jack-o'-lantern-looking green melons that blow up. Wow. Yes. So, um, but yeah, so canonically, there is no radiation fallout in Metal Max. Because the uh, very first thing what Noah did was to hack into all of the nuclear facilities and or find some way of disabling them. Uh, that explains why you can wander around and only be worried about what can penetrate your tank. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the game isn't entirely grim and serious. It has uh, some very interesting writing so far. I'm just waiting to see what happens when I finally get to the, the last three settlements. Mm. I'm missing at least two named characters from the promo material so far. Yeah, I'd imagine that finishing the named settlements is just going to be the first leg of things, but I guess I don't know how long you've been playing. Well, I mean, it also has the map that fills in as you go. Mm-hmm. And if I finish taking out if I finish checking in all the settlements, I'll have the entire right edge of the map um, filled out. <laughs> and there's maybe seventy five percent more of the map after that. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot more to do. Yeah. So It'll be interesting to see if, how, if and how many other people are actually alive. And in what state. Yeah, it seems important. Maybe. Yeah. I'm assuming that I will be fighting Noah at the end of this. I don't know. I mean, there's only two games in the series where you actually fight Noah. So, and Technically, like, in one of them, it's his um, rebooted version. Noah 2.0. Yes, yes actually. <laughs> Metal Saga, Season of Steel, the, the entire plot revolves around this very densely packed um, little ball called the Noah Seed, which, if placed in the proper setting or proper fittings, will actually restore the Noah system. Hmm. Unfortunately, it is so densely designed that after multiple attempts throughout the game, there's no way to actually physically damage it. Um including railguns. It was tried. So, so you actually have to um, infiltrate the, the, uh, fl- um, the floating weapons platform known as the Overlord, make it crash, actually shoot the thing down first, then get into it, and then find the proper receptacle in the heart of the Overlord to put the Noah Seed in, let it activate, and then take it out before it gets too powerful. Yes. You know what? Fair. Yep. So, but I have no idea where Xeno is going right now, except it is, as I said, heavy, grim, metal, and dark. Well, I'm interested to hear further reports as you get further in. Yeah. yeah. Also, the uh, the gameplay itself is rather more streamlined in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, you don't have to worry about, at ne- you don't have to worry nearly as much about um, um, being overburdened. They, it tends to send stuff send whatever items you um, heavy items you find back to the base immediately. I'm kind of into that. That's, getting overburdened is one of the most obnoxious things in the game. It was a, a major part of the original series, too, is management. 
and being able mm-hmm. to hook up another tank to drag around to carry all your stuff. The joys of double do tank. Right yeah. Which you can't do right now because, hey, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, it's very difficult to find um, personnel weapons and usable items. Hmm. Um, I found, I mean, like, more than half of the vending machines I found around town, around the city, mm-hmm. have broken. Oh. And home base does not really have a lot of good supply of stuff for people to use. However, home base is a formerly top secret weapons uh, production platform <laughs> that was hidden under the river in Tokyo, except now the river is a desert. So it's easy to get to. Um, and so if you bring in or if you collect enough random junk items off of monsters, you can use it to create new tank weapons. I mean, they've, they've got cannons strapped to them already. You might as well just scavenge them and put them together. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'll be buying it come hell or high water, so... Yep. Uh, give me a Switch version. My kingdom for a Switch version. But, yeah, um, when I when I pre-ordered at mm-hmm. Skya, the, uh, the the order bonus was actually a DLC coupon for mm-hmm. a shotgun in the game. And when I first saw that, I was like, okay, a shotgun. That's usually one of the weaker weapons at the start of any Metal Max game. Um, it's still it's not the most powerful thing on the planet, but it is a very welcome addition when mostly you're dealing with rivet guns and survival knives. Yeah, no, that seems like a huge step up from a knife. <laughs> yeah. I've started to finally collect some better weapons, but it's, again, slow going. It's a nice bonus to have from the beginning, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, except I had to figure out how to get it, and so I ended up um, not getting it for like three or four hours into the game. <laughs> it was still pretty good at that point. Taught you to appreciate that shotgun. Yep. <sighs> also, the uh, it's also interesting, um, out, in, out around the city, most encounters actually appear on the map first. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can just shoot them with your cannon. And um, if you choose a weapon that can multi-target, you can take out like a mob of five enemies at once. Sometimes. So. so and even better, if you actually manage to end a battle before it begins, you get double experience. That's pretty neat. Yes. <sighs> I guess. Uh, guess we'll hit Budai's last couple questions. Well, we're on to Kingdom Hearts 3 talk. Population me. (laughs) A few Kingdom Hearts 3 things. I'll just bunch these together because they kind of end up relating. How well do you think this will sell more than Part 2? I feel like the original game sold fairly well, which surprised me. They let it sit by without a full-fledged console release for as long as they did. Are you surprised the series went mostly handheld? How do you feel about the series being spread out amongst multiple different consoles and systems? I would say that the people making the series are quite perturbed by that fact, hence why they kept making like things that were just, here, here is all of the story, it's all on one platform, you can read it all now. <laughs> yeah, Kingdom Hearts, I never really understood how they were managing that series. Uh, the answer is that it was important enough that they needed to keep making them, but not important enough that they were willing to not to leave its team wandering unmolested. So... The uh, after two, they were like, "Yeah, you can you can make that versus thirteen game you want to make. 
you go do that. And then a year and a half later, they were like, wait a minute, Final Fantasy 13 is flying wildly off the rails. Here, how about you go and try to fix that? Four more years later, okay, FF 13's finally done. Perhaps you can go back to FF versus 13 and maybe start pre-production again. And then another four years of making versus 13. That's what the Kingdom Hearts 2 team spent a lot of the last decade doing. Uh, and meanwhile, you had all of these handheld games that essentially existed to like make sure that the brand continued and was remained like uh, an important pillar. And yeah, but it was I mean, totally slowly spreading out in weird directions. Yeah, I mean, like. Games like 358 Days Over 2 and Coded were never meant to be major products. They were just sort of like, uh, here's a spinoff. You, you still like Kingdom Hearts? Have some fun. But yeah, they t- it's, it's progress in the wrong directions. It's like the, the only mainline games that they've done since 2, the ones that they consider to be important, are Birth by Sleep for PSP and Dream Drop Distance for 3DS. And both of those are on PS4 now. But... Uh, like, it was one of those things where, like, you could tell by the end that, like, like they they were getting kind of sick of getting jerked around about it. Because, like, you get to when Dream Drop Distance comes out and there's e- there's interviews with Nomura that's like, well, you made one for PSP and you made one for 3DS, so you're going to make one for Vita? And he's like, I think it's about time this series went back on consoles. And it's just like, okay, yeah, no, they, they are aware of, they are aware and even themselves seem mildly irritated about uh, the... Hurdles that have come between Kingdom Hearts th- 2 and 3. As yeah. for, like, whether I think it'll sell, I mean, like, you can... I mean, Disney as a brand remains as hot as ever, and they can put, like, whatever they can convince Disney to let them put in here is just another group of people to market it to. So, yeah. I mean, people will buy it. It's got Mickey and it. It's got movies that you recall seeing 20 years ago. <laughs> That's really all that they ever needed. Uh, I mean, the fact that it's also probably going to be a good action RPG is basically just icing at that point. But, yeah, like, there's probably a lot... uh, Like, there's, like, book after... You could write books on just about every major title that Square has put forward in the past decade and a half to be like, hmm, could have managed this better, could have let this team work a little cleaner. I mean, like, this... This is going straight back to, I think I've brought this up before, like, you go back to, like, FF12 getting announced at the same time as FF10 and 11, and the miniature development hell that that one went through back when PS2 game, a PS2, back when taking five years to produce a game was weird instead of how long a AAA game takes to produce. Well, I'd love to continue this, but I need to get going. Okay. See ya. It's good talking to you. you. So you guys have some more fun chatting, and if you can extend it as long as we did without wheels at first. <laughs> the threat I will be the tie that the tie that binds. Yes. Keep it going. Okay. So no okay. podcast next week. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Cool. Well. See you, space talk to you later, dudes. Bye bye. So yeah, you got. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of just tragedy about like. I mean, then after after FF12, you get, you know, Final Fantasy 13, 14, both have tremendously troubled development cycles. Versus 13 slash 15 has 
a different kind of troubled development cycle, which is to say that they keep promising it's in development for five years when it's not in development. <laughs> that project didn't actually become a project they were actively working on until like 2011, which means that it was in development for about five years. So, you know, pretty, that's... The, the, again, I think I pointed this out. Square makes their games seem like they are more behind than they are because they announce them too early. Like they announce a game that is, they announce a game that is just finished pre-production and say, you know, look forward to this, and people are like, yeah, that means it's coming out soon. It's not, not in the slightest. Like, go back and look at the Kingdom Hearts three announcement trailer, which uses the phrase "now in development." Just on top of a CG trailer, it's like, buddy, uh, that that means nothing. You could have just you could have sat on that and gotten a huge pop like three years later, but now we're like four D twenty three expos where they drip feed another world that's guaranteed to be in it, and it's just like, oh, well, that's neat, but also what? <laughs> how how far along is it? It's like, oh, you know, by the time it comes out, it'll have taken about four or five years because that's how long AAA games take nowadays. I mean, like, you go back and look at something like The Witcher 3, which, you know, took about five years, or, you know, just about anything else. It's just like, how early did you choose to announce it? Because that's going to affect a lot about how long people thought it took. But hey, at least you'll get some fun game and watch minigames. Like, it's there. if you look through interviews, it's very easy to find out what years it was actually in development. It started development in, like, 05, and then a year and a half later, it got put, like, its team got it absorbed into the 13 team and they were sort of stuck there for about three years. And then like they start pre-production again and like actual development begins in like 2011 where after reassessing, they're like nothing we've used on, like it makes more sense to release this on next gen systems and nothing we've made on PS3 makes sense anymore. So we have to start over video games, but like all of the people who made kingdom Hearts, like, Hajime Tabata and Taiyasue and freaking uh, Nomura, they, they all produced a lot of games outside that structure. It's just they, like, Square wasn't about to provide them the kind of people that they were going to need to make a game that requires the kind of money and budget that, say, a mainline Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts requires. So you get all of these spin-off products that are just like, like, to see how good these people are at actually making a game when given the right resources, Kingdom Hearts 3D went from a tech demo trailer that they had no idea what it was to a, a complete product that was on the shelves in 18 months. Because it was just it was just PS2 and slightly... It was just slight, slightly less than PS2 hardware, so they could just make a game in 18 months. They knew how to make a game, so... Suddenly, there is a game. Uh, again like it's worth looking at like who was in charge of square at for the square enix for a very long time was that wada i want to say yoichi wada that seems correct he's yeah yoichi wada former president and representative director of square enix but like going back and looking at the what he oversaw like it's full of things that are like project doesn't go project takes forever like weird mismanagement like really bloated sales expectations i think he was the one that like 
was putting sales expectations that required like the new Tomb Raider or Hitman or whatever has to sell essentially more than the entire franchise ever has to like be considered a success. It did, but it was one of those things where like it had to do that in the first month. But yeah, like it was just you know that that was kind of the Wada the late Wada era. I'm not sure what he was doing before then. Square joined Square in 2000, executive director and CFO in June of that year. Uh, became the new company president when they became when they merged with Enix. So like basically about 2004 when a lot of these projects that became boondoggles sort of went into development. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't lay it all at Wada's feet, but there is definitely, like, higher-up doesn't really quite understand how to put this together. <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. Uh, yeah, and he left Square Enix back in June of 2015. Uh, he was chairman of the board, though not an official... The, no, though not the official corporate representative... Uh, as of May of 2013, and finally, yeah, left this left the company entirely in June of 2015. So yeah, like there's there's a lot of interesting like it would be interesting to look at who was overseeing Square before him and like the differences between how they ran things. But yeah, it just it seems like as a whole, management was not prepared for the kind of changes that had to come to development to change when. HD consoles happened, which was true of a lot of companies, but most of those companies just sort of went out of business <laughs> or stopped making games entirely. So, you know, one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, I can't really hold against the people making things like Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy. They were probably given really bad, like they were probably given bad corporate directives of like, you need to do it this way. Uh, as for am I surprised it went mostly handheld I think I went for a, a very long time explaining why it was sort of inevitable because it was just sort of like if the main team can't make things you delegate it to a satellite team that can make us that can make something that keeps the brand alive yeah like all of those definitely vastly outsold their budget but it's also one of those things like Kingdom Hearts always sold well I mean like you know a few million units was nothing to sneeze at and it's again like Disney has never been stronger. Like, there's a resurgence of Western interest in anime style. So, put those two together. I mean, what's not to like? With no game to promote, just there. Especially, there has been a manga to adapt every single game in the franchise, even the ones that don't matter. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD Remix has one of my favorite insane things that has ever been patched in. Uh... Because, like, the game was released, and it was, you know, it's an HD collection. There was no thought process of, like, we're going to patch this. But, so, with the HD collections, the side games that their plot, like, might matter to someone, but they aren't main games, They what they do is they take the cutscenes and they stitch them together into a movie. So you can sit down and you can watch all of the plot to 358 Days Over 2 and wonder why you bothered, but... But what's fun is that if you're just watching the cutscenes, the climactic battle of 358 Days Over 2 doesn't happen. It just jumps from the introduction to the battle being over. And people complained that that, that, there was, that that felt wrong, that that wasn't correct. And so they actually looked at that and they were like, yeah, yeah, this, this could be better. So they patched it like a year and a half later to have something there to like emulate some aspect of the final battle. So you saw a fight scene at the end. It's just like, what? Why? 
How? Why? <laughs> Who? Like, five people were probably given, like, three weeks, like, please, just put something here. It looks weird without it. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I think that shows a certain dedication. Like, on some, somewhere up in the chain, someone is dedicated to these products. And, like, all the, all the, all, those collections are really nice. Like, one and a half, two and a half HD remix is a lot of RPG to get in one package. Adulation for the brand is the only reason that someone keeps remaking The World Ends With You. <laughs> I love The World Ends With You. The only reason that keeps coming back and they keep trying to make it a thing is because someone in there really wants it to be back. I don't think that did gangbusters now, and I'm not even convinced it still works. Okay. Let's be real, that's kind of saying something given modern mobile re-releases. But, uh, yeah, like, World Ends With You, freaking, uh, or even just its appearance in Kingdom Hearts is just like, oh, someone loves this. Somebody up there loves this. <laughs> Guess what? It's probably Nomura since he was big on that one. <laughs> it was important. Someone needed this. But, yeah, one of those one of those things. I think that, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 will sell well. I think there's a reason that, like, the, those HD collections must be selling pretty well, because both of them were greatest hits on PS3. And then they packaged them together, and that probably sold pretty well, too. So you've got Kingdom Hearts 1, which is like 25 hours on a straight playthrough. You've got Chain of Memories, which is probably another 15, 20 hours, especially if you do the reverse rebirth mode. You've got Kingdom Hearts 2, which is almost bare minimum 40. You've got Birth by Sleep, which is like three 15-hour playthroughs. And then you've got, if you decide that you want this, you can sit and watch the cutscenes from 358 Days Over 2 and, uh, what is the other one? Uh, Recoded. So that's another couple hours. And then if you decide that you're just not done with Kingdom Hearts yet, here's 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue, which features, like, a demo-slash-engine test of Kingdom Hearts 3, because, like, that is obviously what Fragmentary Passage is. And that's why I'm saying that's 2.8. You've got you've got 2.8, which has that, and Dream Drop Distance, and the cutscenes from the mobile game, which is for someone, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like, there's, there is, like, and both of those collections are, like, 25 bucks now. That is a lot of content. Like, they, they made a collection of collections and sold it for less. There needs to just be, like, a long discussion of collection of collection. Up next, Namco Museum Museum. It has... It's in. It's 4K compatible. You love it. You with your that 4K TV that you definitely own. Absolutely own that. Like yeah, it's they they didn't they didn't do much to that or like you know Okami HD or Capcom loves these. I still think my personal favorite thing that has ever happened is. Sony looking at a robust God of War collection that had five games and saying, we're going to sell God of War 3 by itself for $60 on PS4. God of War 3 Remastered. You love it. Hard pass. Bad game. Um, uh, but yeah, I just there is a part of me that is just like the the having the the brass balls necessary to sell that for at, the, at least $40 by itself is... I don't have words. How did you? How did? How did this happen? You let you let this happen. Yeah, the, like I have a reason to play that because it's portable now, and that's a sixty-hour game that needs to be portable, and that's why you're still playing Monster Hunter Four Ultimate sometimes. 
Eh, don't worry. Monster Hunter Portable World will happen one day. They'll split the world into chunks, but otherwise... That's your actual E3 prediction. <laughs> it's not going to be called that. There's too many dojins already called that. No. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, so Kingdom Hearts, I've got a lot of opinions on this. I will yell them all at you if you want. Uh, but we'll... Please, please... Uh, Give me a moment. I must step out and we can put a proper cap on this. Hello, dear listener. Unfortunately, somehow I messed up the end of the recording here. Uh, it was mostly us just blabbing the usual end-of-show stuff, where to post stuff, some things about the new site. Um, basically, you may have to switch to a new feed at some point uh, on the new site, but we'll give you all that information. Uh, so just keep an eye out on the new site whenever it goes live. Um, and again, as send your questions as usual. Uh, on the forums, uh, email, Twitter, etc. And we will see you next time. Peace.